All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't even visit other leading job sites so start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Welcome to episode 223 of the DFO Rundown, brought to you by Botano. 19 plus, please play responsibly. The game starts now with Botano. And uh, Frank, we were uh, recording our pod a little bit earlier. Now we're rebooted up uh, to start because of some breaking news that uh, Kyle Dubas is in Pittsburgh. This has been rumored for a while. Um, They announced him as the president of hockey operations for the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, Your early reaction. I'm a, I'm intrigued. I'm a little bit surprised just because the longer this went on, I was thinking that it meant that Kyle Dubas is not going to Pittsburgh. And I think the big thing was how could he make a decision on Pittsburgh without at least getting clarity on the Ottawa Senators front? Maybe that's coming. Look, this is Thursday before the Stanley Cup final media day starts on Friday. This is like fitting 10 pounds of shit of news into a five-pound bag. You're trying to dump everything out there that you can because you know that the league hates when you drop news during the cup final, specifically with regards to assets and hirings and firings. So be prepared for another couple scoops to come on Thursday. Um, That's just how it works. And here's the thing. So he's been announced as the president of hockey operations. This he's is all over- just so everyone knows all within the last 15 minutes. So we're, we're still trying to, you know, report out the rest of this, but we can give you some indications. Go ahead. Yeah. He's going to oversee all aspects of the Penguins hockey operations department, including establishing the strategic vision philosophy for the future. So it sounds like for now, maybe with his title, that means he's the GM, but it, you know, where there still could be a GM announcement later well, on would, from this. I would think that that's coming just based on the way that this is structured because yeah. if not, you would just have the title that many have had before, which is president of hockey ops and general manager. And yeah. he doesn't have that title. And so that me, I would think, again, this is purely speculation on my part, just a few minutes after it happened, that, that – um, Something else is coming. Now, who would that person be? I have two names that I'm going to throw at you, and we'll see what happens. Maybe they do nothing for a while. Maybe they conduct a search. But given that Fenway Sports Group was already well down the track of doing so, 
Uh, I will throw two names at you. One, Cam Lawrence, who I mentioned a few pods ago. Uh, he's been the analytics consultant for the Columbus Blue Jackets. The last few years and previous to that was in Florida, which you now see the Panthers in the Stanley Cup final. And part of that was his contribution to building that roster. And the second one would be also currently working in Florida in Matthew Darsh, the assistant GM of the Tampa Bay Lightning. I think Darsh went deep, deep into the process with Fenway Sports. I think they liked him. Um, And, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, well, it'll be – It'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, clearly Dubas, you know what, the, there was the talk that, you know, he, he wanted to, a bigger piece of the pie, uh, maybe a bigger chair at the table when it came to uh, Toronto decisions. And, you know, he got that. So good for him. He, uh, he ends up in a different organization. He, he gets what he wants. It's, it's obviously a challenge in Pittsburgh. You're going to get to play with one of the greatest players, not play, but work with one of the greatest players of all time. And Sidney Crosby, Jenny Malkin's pretty good. Latang, but the uh, the Penguins. How will they be? He's going to have to fill out the the supporting cast of that roster. And when I look at the at the Penguins, one of the big decisions to me, it, it's kind of eerily similar to to what they had in in Toronto. Is is okay? What are we going to do on the back end in Pittsburgh? And like, do they bring Brian Dumoulin back? Um, you know, the, you had you know Jeff Petrie had a really tough year. So, you know, what happens there? Um, Jan Ruda, when they, even when they wanted him to play, they couldn't because of the cap situation for a bit, which really sucked because I think Jan Ruda is a pretty solid NHL defender. And, um, but the Penguins, they have – they actually – they have a lot of um, – they got some space. They've got some contracts like every team that you don't love. And then, you know, we'll see who they, uh, who they consider bringing back. Um, down the bottom of the roster. So I'll be uh, fascinated to see, but uh, it's another big piece that's uh, moved this offseason. And, you know, Dubas and Treely, I mean, they go from Toronto to Pittsburgh, Calgary to Toronto, uh, Conroy's in Calgary. There's a few coaching uh, decisions that we'll get to on the pod today. I was going to say, what do you make of the idea that two weeks ago you heard Kyle Dubas say, you're not going to see me in hockey working somewhere else. Does everything just get thrown out the window when you get absolutely railroaded by Brendan Shanahan on the way out? Yeah, I, you know, I, I think at the moment he might have believed that. I, I think it was also, I'm, I'm not, I'm not naive enough to think that you know what, hey, you say that because you want the fans to know you care about the organization as much as they do, and I think it was smart. And so sometimes saying, you know, what people want to hear, uh, do I believe in that moment he might have felt that way? I do. But um, at that time, he probably wasn't thinking he was going to get knocked out. He was thinking he was just going to get a bigger seat at the table in the organization. And that didn't happen. So when he interviewed for the next job, he made sure to say, hey, this is what I want. And based on the press release in Pittsburgh, that's what he got. Well, speaking of timing, like what do you think about the Pittsburgh Penguins announcing it essentially at the exact moment in time that Brad Tree Living is stepping to the podium in Toronto. Kind of interesting, right. you know? just you a know coincidence. I, uh, yeah, probably. Like I don't know. Are you like I, I don't think like the the Dubas hiring Brad Tree Living? Are you going to ask him about that? No, but it's uh, uh you know if anything, Brad's like oh great now they're going to have half the people writing about the Dubas in Pittsburgh and not about me. So uh, maybe it helps him in a way. But I don't I don't know. That's probably more of a coincidence, as you said. You want to get the uh, the news out. I, I think it was about 25 minutes before the press conference started. If I'm not mistaken, I know we were recording. I'm just, pod. yeah, just people were speculating. That's all. Yeah. Like I is it, Hey, you know what? If Pittsburgh and Toronto, there's going to be some extra deep seated rivalry. I'm all for it, Frank. And if we have to search deep to manufacture rivals, I'm all over it because in the regular season, the more animosity there is in a random November and January game, I'm all for it. And so now Dubas doesn't lace him up. So I, I really don't think, you know, uh, we're not going to have a, a Burke and Lowe type of a let's meet in the barn type of conversation. <laughs> that would be now, awesome. Be real here. Shani would wax the floor with him. Everybody knows that. So it's not even a conversation starter. So uh, unfortunately, we won't get that type of uh, juice from something like this. But, you know, we'll see where it goes. It's, um, you know what, it's, it's too very, he, the job he left in Toronto was kind of unfinished business, I think, for sure. 
and now you come to Pittsburgh, an organization that uh, you know has won or tied for the most Stanley Cups since the league expanded to 21 teams uh, with five. You're, you're, you've got a few years left of one of the greatest players to ever lace them up and a few other really good players. You know, how do you go about it? But you don't have a lot in the cupboard, right? Like there's not a lot of prospects in uh, in Pittsburgh. But when Dubas came to Toronto, it wasn't like they were lighting it up, but they did have young guys. You had Matthews and Marner and Nylander and all those guys. So it's very different in how he's going to approach this one. Well, it's a totally different job. Yeah. And you're right. because And I'd love to know how many years he got on his contract. Like I said, this was the perfect opportunity if you want a seven-year deal to go to Fenway Sports Group and say, look at all the work I have to do. I'm, I'm going to guess five. That would be my guess. That would be a minimum. Matt, yeah. Mike Sullivan, their coach, already got five. So, Yeah, yeah maybe maybe has longer. But my guess would be, yeah, minimum five for sure. Like, you know, because of, because of his role and his title, he's the guy who's hiring the GMs, we assume anyway. So, you know what, you get a few kicks of the cat in that one, like most teams. By the way, is it kind of hilarious? The We saw the some of the NBA coach. Did you see that new coaching contract for Monty Williams in the NBA? Oh. Six years, 78 schmell. It oh, makes dear. whatever we talk about in the NHL seem hilarious. Monty yeah, well, Williams hey, would be, he would be like rivaling Connor McDavid's pay yeah. as the best player in the world. Well, you have way fewer people in your organization and you make more money. Right? 78 so. divided by six is 13. He actually yeah. takes home more than Connor McDavid. Yes. So that's just, that's the reality of business, right? Like they have those businesses. The NBA is a bigger business model than the NHL. Right. Um, but you know, the NHL players, I don't, I can't feel sorry for guys when you're taking home that much money. The, you know what? Like it's huge amount. Good for them. It's awesome. But it all comes down to, you know, when, when people, and this is trickle down effect, Frank, people want to say, you know, well, you know, this sport should make more. I'm like, if you make more money, then the players get paid more. Right. Unless, you know, there, there's very few sports that um, the players aren't making, uh, at least when they have a union. Right. Sports that don't have a union, they probably don't do it. But uh, the sports that have a union, you uh, your players are going to get as close as you can. But it all comes down to how much money you make. Look at look, look at pro lacrosse. It's been around a long time. Right. And hey, those guys sacrifice. They work out just as hard, but they don't make a fraction of what the, uh, the big four make. Just just how it is. And I don't really see it changing, right? Because the big four sports are like soccer's come in, but like, do you see anyone else that's really going to make a massive push to have a huge increase in salaries in other sports? Like, I don't see it, right? Yeah, you got I don't the big know. four, you got golf and tennis and auto racing. Um, like IndyCar just had a huge increase, right? And, and they're uh, winning the, uh, the Indy 500 was like 3.66 mil. That's, you know, big increase for them, huge jump. So I just, there's only so many dollars and there's only so many eyes that can watch these sports. So the big ones just keep, keep dominating. And that's just kind of how it goes. And so I don't think the NHL is ever really going to catch up, but they're still, Hey Frank, that before we go to, to our Jim tree living talk, what's Brad your tree final guest today? Proud on, Papa Jim tree living. Yeah. Uh, did I say Jim? Yeah. Obviously not Jim, but, um, well, he was tweeting about his son, which I thought was pretty cool. It doesn't matter yeah. how old you are as a dad. You're still pretty proud of his son, Brad. We'll get to Brad in a sec. But the, um, the it's June 1st now. The NHL salary cap. What's your guess? How much is it going to go up? Two and a half to three million. Ooh. All right. I agree with you. I, I've, I've, I've heard, I've talked to some people that, you know, I think the teams, the players obviously want, I think the teams would like it rather than have a one mil again and then jump up to five mil the next year, try to make that a little bit more even over two years. We'll see. We still got three weeks to go before we hear anything on that, at least maybe four. All right. So now let's get to our, our, the, uh, the beginning of our pod that uh, we had before the breaking news of Dubas. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Episode 223. And a lot of the focus will be, can a tree make the leaves bloom? Or will some fall? We'll find out. Is Brad Treleman is the uh, new general manager of the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. And he's got some questions, Frank. Leave it, to, leave it to Jay for some cheesy dad jokes. It's <laughs> right. It's June, baby. It's June. There we go. So, of course, uh, you know, Brad, not a shock uh, at all. I, I thought that the minute Dubas was fired, most of us had Brad Treleman as the, you know, is qualified. I, I just don't think with all the big decisions in Toronto, you could go in with an inexperienced general manager. Agreed. That's, that's basically the mandate that – uh, Brendan Shanahan put out there with all the different things that they have to tackle to think that someone who's never done this before has never been in this spot has never handled some really tense negotiations, whether it was Johnny Gaudreau or whether it was Matthew Kachuk leaving and the trade that resulted from him demanding out. Uh, there was, there's a lot that Brad tree living has seen and done. And I also don't think as people sort of view his tenure that they have a proper appreciation for how difficult it is to work for Mary Edwards in Calgary. The mandate there is to win every year. They're not allowed to rebuild, have to make the playoffs, have to go for it, have to try. And he's demanding and exacting. And he's also not a huge spender unless you really twist his arm and convince him. And so I just think there's a lot of, I think you always have to judge and view a general manager and his tenure based on the person that they work for. So I always view Calgary, Vancouver, the Rangers, maybe to a lesser extent, the Leafs with their board situation. I view places where the owner can be difficult in a little bit of a different light than I do others. Hmm. Oh, you look at some of the contracts they handed out in Calgary. They definitely weren't afraid to spend, you know. Uh, and, and every GM, if you talk to them, some are going to have contracts that uh, obviously did not pan out the way they wanted. And then there's others that are home runs and great deals. And you just hope that you have more of the latter and fewer of the former. And, you know, going in Toronto right now, there's no big tickets he needs to sign. All his, all his main guys are signed. Uh, you know, the Maple Leafs have the second most money allocated to their top seven contracts currently. Only Tampa Bay has more. At $60.1 million. So it's more so, can he find pieces to support their top players? Now, obviously, their top players are going to have to produce more at certain times in, in playoffs. That's just a reality. But to me, that's the interesting part for for uh, 
Trillium now is what does he do with the defense core? Because I think that's the one thing people can rave all they want about Dubas, but I'm like, look at the blue line. Has the blue line ever truly significantly improved? I don't think so. Honestly, I was sitting there yesterday as I was working on a story about my buyout candidates. Does TJ Brody make any sense as a buyout candidate? You look at the way that his game fell off. He really struggled to be able to get out of that contract next season at 5 million bucks for no cap hit next year. I know there's an additional year where you'd have to pay because there's one year left. I think it just speaks. It's it's not even so much. I don't think it's a realistic possibility, but I think it speaks to the fact that they never really got the position, right? Like look at the trade for Jake Muzzin. It's a, it's a tough look. Yeah. Muzzin has had some injury struggles, but his game was was on a steady decline. Steady. Wasn't fast, couldn't keep up. And yeah, he had some, you know, nice attributes that would make him a playoff caliber, you know, defenseman. But just look at what the Toronto Maple Leafs gave up to make it happen. I mean, like you you think about that deal, Jake Muzzin for a first. And Sean Dersey, like Sean Dersey's a really good top four NHL defenseman now. Just ask the LA Kings. Like you couldn't get Jake Muzzin, you know, obviously even in, in at, at that exact moment in time, like the Leafs gave up their probably Kyle Dubas's best draft pick yet, depending on what happens with Matt Nyes. And a first for Jake Muzzin. So, like, you, you look at those things, like, it, it speaks to the difficulty of the position, and that's kind of what I go to as we we enter the Brad Tree Living tenure now. My bold prediction is two things. One, they keep Sheldon Keefe, and two, they keep the core four intact. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all to do it. And then the big question is, will he be able to sign extensions for uh, for Matthews and Nylander, right? That's, that's I don't, the question. I don't know how you enter the season without those done. Yeah, I, see, it's an, we, we've seen guys sign extensions during the year. Some sign it later. You know, it varies. I, I, hey, in Toronto, there will be an endless amount of coverage every day discussing, like, it, it'll get nauseating to the point. I sort of like how, how they had their GM enter the final year of his deal. Yeah, fair point. And how did um, that work out? Yeah, well, <laughs> hey, true enough. Uh, although it sounds like it was close, I guess the, the difference is the, uh, you know, uh, a player wouldn't have a press conference talking about his future when the season's over. That would be the, uh, the difference usually. Um, but I, uh, I could see one of them happening, Frank. Like, I look at Austin Matthews and I look at Michael Nylander, or William Nylander, and, and to me they're, they're different levels just because cap hit and everything else that I could see them having an extension for Matthews this summer. And if Nylander doesn't get one right now, it doesn't mean he can't get one in September. We've seen lots. Of, to me, it doesn't have to happen in July. Ideally, if it happens before the season starts, that's great. We've seen lots of guys sign in September and stuff like that. So, but Is I, there I think, room to keep all four? Meaning, like, you can't obviously now, but is there, like, Nylander is due a raise, right? Mm -hmm. Is Marner really due a raise? That's my question. Not Well, Marner has the additional year, so you can't even really begin. But even when he's up, would he deserve a raise? I I personally don't think Austin Matthews does. But that's just me. And that really is going to be the tenure, uh, the tenor of the entire summer is – Brad True Living's already reached out to Austin Matthews, even before he was officially named the GM, to just, hey, introduce myself. You know, hey, let's get begin to get comfortable. I want to get to know you. That's all great. It, it's all going to depend on what the ask is from the Matthews camp. What are they looking to get? Yeah, like if, if it's another precedent-setting five-year times fifteen million dollar deal, like I just, I I can't for one second, begin to justify it. No, there. if, if he wants to get 12.65, so he's the highest paid uh, AAV uh, ahead of uh, uh, Nathan McKinnon, sure. You could argue, you know, it's a $1 million raise. I get it. But anything higher than that, Frank, I don't, I don't really know why you justify. Yeah, he had the 60-goal season. Um, unfortunately, he gets banged up. Right. And, you and know, he followed that up with a really average 40 goal season for him, for someone making 11 six. 
Yeah. And then was on a milk carton at the time that it mattered most. And it's sort of been that way in every big moment for the Toronto Maple Leafs in the playoffs for a number of postseasons. Well, you, you won't get a huge argument for me. Um, when it comes to does he does he deserve a significant raise? I, I don't, you know. Let's just if, so if you want to even pick, just go over the last four seasons, right? In the regular season, right? He's he's a top five player in points at that point, but he's he's a hundred and thirty, hundred and fifty points less than McDavid, and a hundred points less than Drysaddle in four years. So how much? So now do Pasternak. And then look at, is, I know he's a winger. Yeah, but the, you know what, Frank? That's a great here. They're four points difference, and Pasternak makes how many uh, goals difference though? Because that's what that's what the Matthews camp is going to hang their hat on. Well, the goal difference, Matthews has nineteen more goals. Okay, but he already is signed up to make four hundred thousand less than Matthews is currently making, let alone asking for a raise. Again, understanding full well the difference between winger and center. Yep. What about McKinnon? Uh, Nate McKinnon is at, um, well, he's got more points, but fewer goals, right? Uh, He has 20 more points, but he has uh, 50 fewer goals, 60 fewer goals, 59. Okay. But he has a Stanley Cup and is a proven playoff performer. Yes. And and dominates the game in a way that Matthews doesn't. If, if you look at, at just points per game, not because obviously you go by by overall points, you know, Nathan McKinnon is going to crush you because he played way more games. But if you just look at uh, at points per game, um, you, you have McDavid and Drysaddle at the top. McKinnon's fourth, Rantanen's fifth. You got to go down points per game. Austin Matthews is 17th. Right? He's still a point per game player in the playoffs at one point. He's paid for his goals. We all know it. But Pasternak is the closest... I think maybe stylistically even. Again, no, he's a winger, but signed up on a long-term deal for 400000 less than what Matthews is currently making. I, I don't see the case. I honestly don't really see the case for a raise. I really don't. I can't argue with you. I, I would agree. Are, with you. Like the, the difference between Pasternak and McKinnon and all these other guys is they didn't get the bag on the second contract. Matthew's already got the bag mm-hmm. to then say you're going to then go another step above it for what? Yeah. Matt, like, you. At least McKinnon played his number of years at 6.3 and, and Pasternak was on a deal that everyone was saying was too rich at the time that spurred the, the dry cycle deal that now everyone's laughing at how cheap those two deals were. Yeah. And, and now, so now what? You, you want to get the bag on the second one and then hit the Leafs over the head on the third one? Well, if you talk about goals, Frank, you look in the playoffs, uh, McDavid has 24 and 36, Drysaddle has 25 and 36, and Matthews has 12 and 30. So it's a pretty significant difference um, if you're going just off of goals, and then obviously the point totals isn't, isn't close either in, in points per game. So it's, I think Brad Treliving, if you punch out all those numbers, make an argument. And that's why I bring Mitch Marner too. Like, honestly, I think the contract extensions themselves are actually easier because I don't think either one deserves any sort of significant raise at all. I mean, just look at where they stack up in the hierarchy of what the current cap hits are. Like the, oh, yeah. the world sort of froze over because of the pandemic and everything else slowed in relation to it, understandably. But now the argument for their camp is going to be, but look at where it's projected to go. Yeah, I don't even know if you can use that because David Pasternak just signed. Just signed. And McKinnon just, just signed, signed last year. year. Like, yes. I'm, I'm with you. Like, But just because we say it doesn't mean that's going to be the case. Here's my only point that I'd make. And I'm not going to be the next GM of the Leafs, as you know. So take it for what it's worth. I just wouldn't be held hostage by him. If you're demanding X and it's not within a realm that we're capable of paying or want to pay, we'll just trade you. Like, to think that you can't, the the existence of the Toronto Maple Leafs is is not going to go on because you trade Austin Matthews 
again, I don't even think that's going to happen, but I'm just saying that's the stance I would take is we'll, we're willing to pay you a, a princely sum for your services. But look at all the trouble we've been in trying to build this team into a winner because of these four contracts that we have. Yeah. Hey, the one guy who actually is going to be having a strong case for a raise is Nylander. That's like, look at that's what like I said. In, in their four playoffs years, Nylander has the most goals at 14 and 30 games. He has 29 points. Marner has 30. Matthews has 31. Not much difference, right? He's the then, only guy that I actually know watching the beliefs has some fire in his belly. Yeah. You look in the, in the regular season, he has more goals than Tavares. He has more goals than Marner. Uh, Matthews obviously has more than him, and he's third in points on them. So, yeah, Nylander's... The point, the, the, I think Brendan Shanahan likes William Nylander a lot. Yeah. So, I, I don't think he's going anywhere. No, I wouldn't trade him either. So I like then, uh, I think we've all worked ourselves into this position, and even Leaf fans, after the drama of the season which everyone's like, oh, it's got to change. Something's got to change. Well, the GM has changed now. But if the coach doesn't change and the players don't change, are there is the result going to change? I don't know, but it seems like that's the most likely scenario because look through every roster. Like something may present itself that, you know, we, we can't foresee, but I can't even really envision a deal in which the Leafs end up improving their team by putting a gun to their head and trading one of those players. Yeah, I, I would, I could understand that. Like the, the Carolina rumors, um, which I had mentioned Carolina the minute they were out. So let's because, talk about that. Cause I, I thought about that a lot. Okay. Carolina is the team. Their, their GM came out, Don Waddell and said, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to ex- explore the trade market. Everybody knows what Carolina lacks. They lack a consistent high end point producer. Now, Mitch Marner doesn't score you lots of goals, but he produces points. That's proven. So if you put him in Carolina and now you know, okay, we got one legit guaranteed, like Ajo's good, Svechnikov are good, but they're not great point producers. Okay. So let's let's game this out because I, I just did this and I've thought a lot about it. Let's say you're trading Mitch Marner to Carolina. What are you getting back? Well, you're going to want for sure one of Pesci or Shea. Okay. Well, okay, so let's let's say, yes, you get Brett Pesci. Okay. So then what's the other piece you get back in the trade to make it even? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I can't come up with an answer. I cannot do it. I think it might be multiple pieces, right? I okay. Think you so would, then uh, let's, let's continue. Like, like what, how could you create a trade that makes this a win for both sides? I can't do it. It's hard. You're I, not, not going to trade Netchash. You're not trading Seth Jarvis. Okay, so you could trade your first and you could trade, I don't know, pick pick one of the good prospects from Carolina's group. Is that enough? I don't think it is. Like, I wonder, would, Carol, would Carolina trade two D-men for him, right? That's the... Uh, that's the question. Um, or, but here's the thing. I think you'd have to include, um, well, you say you don't want to trade Netches, but why you've got, you've got, a, you've got a lot of the same players there. You've got Aho, you've got Tara Viney, you've got Svechnikov, you like same different last name. They're very similar styles of players. So then um, you're asking yourself if you're, so Netchash already had 71 points and he's 24. Yeah. That's not all that far off of Marner. Twenty some points. points, right? Like Marner's so then, been. So if Marner's you're flirted Nittash, with hundred twice, okay, flirted though. Yeah, like well, ninety-seven, ninety-nine. If they don't healthy Nittash scratch me, can't, can't get can't get there. Yeah, well, don't healthy scratch him. How about that one? <laughs> okay, so that still bothers me, but anyway. Um, so let's so let's say okay, let's say. Like Marner Netchash scored 90 points. Like okay. Marner scored 90 points three times, right? Like Netchess has been a good player, but I he's he kind of I think is a poster boy for what Caroline is. They've got lots of really good guys, but not a game breaker. And not that Marner's a goal scoring game breaker. I want to make that abundantly clear. But he's clearly a point producer. He does a lot. Um I think he would fit into how Brindamore plays. It's just to me, that's a consideration. You're gonna it would have to be a significant trade. But so okay, so let like Let's continue to game this out. 
Netash and Pesci. And a first. So then if you're Carolina, do you look at yourself and say, did we actually make our team better or did we just make our team worse? I can see the argument from Toronto saying, yeah, that trade is one that makes sense for us. But I could see Carolina being like, why would we do that? We just made our team worse. And the first might be too much. You might not have to add a first. That's fair. Um, But let's just say it was Neches and Pesci. Straight up, those two for one. I think you can make an argument. Uh, you look at cap-wise. Now, Carolina might look and say, geez, we're getting a guy at 10.9 mil, right? Which their owner has historically not liked, right? Their highest salary. And you've got to keep him in Carolina, whereas Netash is under team control for a long time. Well, you're going to talk trade. You're going to – it's one of those, Frank. You can't you know even how you talk guy... extension for another year. Well, you can talk it. You just can't announce it. Okay. Well, does Mitch Marner want to play in Carolina? He's from Toronto. Maybe he wants to get out of the, maybe he wants to get out of the Super Bowl. Maybe, but maybe his game really suffers because he's playing in a place that he doesn't want to play in. I don't know. I'm just like, yeah. you can, there's, hey, there's lots things of things to this. There's no guarantee of any trade that it's going to work a hundred percent. Right. Um, when, when Calgary made the trade for Hubert Owen Weger, they weren't 100% guaranteed that those guys were going to sign that, right? They did it, and then they end up uh, signing to extensions, right? So, And that's a pretty big change from Florida to Calgary, right? Mm-hmm. From temperature to logistics, taxes, everything. It's very different. And they were able to do it. So, um, you know, lots of guys have been traded. And the thing is, Marner would have two years in Carolina. Every player I talk to loves playing in Carolina. Yeah, that's one thing. They all love it. All, my only point of this entire exercise was to illustrate for you how difficult it is for the Leafs to make a trade of this magnitude and actually improve their team and not do it just for the sake of doing it. So you don't think Netches and Pesci improves their team? No, I think it does. But I think Carolina would sit there and say, this doesn't make sense for us. Okay. Yeah, well, at Carolina, though, the one thing – or they can – Carolina and Toronto are similar, Frank – because if Toronto goes into next season and doesn't prove their defense, the same thing's going to happen in the playoffs. And if Carolina goes into the season and doesn't get a game breaker, they're going to be a very good team. They're going to score 100 points in the regular season, and then they're going to come up short against a team when their other team's best player outperforms them. That's what's going to happen. I could, I'll tell you right now, that's going to be a locket loaded guaranteed if those two teams don't make significant moves to either place. Fair. I'm mean, not going to argue with me for me on that. Like, I don't, yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. I'm just it's saying not easy. it's not my, easy. That's I my prediction. The core four stays intact and Sheldon Keefe keeps his job. And I think the core four staying intact makes sense. As long as you go and alter your defense, you're TJ Brody bio Frank for a zero cap hit that saves you five mil for one year. Yes. It has 2.5 the following season. But if you're looking to make a trade and you, and you feel that there's a defenseman you can get, and the only way to fit him in is to do that bio, which has zero cap hit. Yeah. But then you got to go replace Brody is the problem. Yeah. But you, that's what I'm saying. You'd be, you'd be making a move, whether it's free agency or something to, to look at your team. And by the way, Sean Dursey's more of a third pair guy, not a second pair. He didn't nope. play. Uh, wrong. Yeah. Wrong, wrong, played 16 minutes a night, dude. I don't care. You go, go, go talk to the LA Kings top four all day long. Does something no one else on that team does. Tell you top four minutes next year. I will bet you my house top four minutes next year. Okay. Bet you my house. And by the way, doing it on his offside. Oh, I like Jersey. Hey, I like Jersey for sure. So now, Frank, the, the other news, of course. I will eat. How about this? I will eat cat food if Sean Dursey is not playing in their top four minutes next Don't year. Don't take that bet. Do not take that bet. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, if he's hey. not, it, injuries notwithstanding. So like, he's going to average top four minutes. I, yes, that he is now, in the So is that five on five? Because power play doesn't count. Or are you just saying top four overall minutes per game? Top four overall minutes per game. All right. I will eat cat food if Sean Dursey's not playing that Oh, gosh. I'll be watching that one. Come on. All he needs to lose out is by, like, two seconds. That'd be amazing. Yeah, but what what happens if if I'm right? You do nothing? Yeah. I know. Ty Ty bet himself. You're kind of betting yourself here. That's how cat food bets work, Frank. But but you you, you wanted to try and make the point that he's not a top four defenseman. Well, but he hasn't played his one yet is my point. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm not eating cat food, but I would, uh, um, 
What, what do I do that I would hate? Um, I'll think about it, Frank, and then I'll come up with something on the next pod of what I and, would. And uh, I only mentioned Jersey not to not to knob him, but to say it was a bad trade. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. Knob him. <laughs> I, 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 that's that's true. Like I, I'm just. I, it, the point wasn't to to say how great Sean Dersey is, although he's good. It was to say a first and Sean Dersey, they traded the best prospect yeah. that Kyle Dubas drafted. Now, no, that's fair. Uh, if they sign Gavrikov, he's going to be tougher to get top four. Um, now, the the other news, of course, Andrew Burnett goes into uh, to Nashville, and uh, it's what there's two points of this. Not a surprise. You've been talking about uh, Heinz for a while that you thought a change was coming and you were bang on on that. I'm a little surprised that this late in the process, uh, John Heinz gets let go and the Rangers are interviewed. I'm like, is the Rangers coaching search being like the longest coaching search? Now, maybe there's no rush because he's not the GM, but it just seems like it's gone on for a really long time. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think a lot of these things have been head scratching with how long it's taken. Like Anaheim, I, I made a joke the other day that Anaheim had interviewed 468 people for the position. Like it's a lot. Like I'm not kidding you. It's probably 40 people, but they don't, they haven't hired anyone yet. Mm-hmm. And the Rangers, like everyone said, Oh, Peter Laviolette, like seems like they're closing in on him. Maybe that might happen. It might be the truth, but they've had five weeks to hire Peter Laviolette. Like, if you were going to do it, why would you wait? So I'm not convinced that's the hire. Um, I wonder the, about the John Hines connection between Chris Drury and um, John Hines, both being BU guys. Um I also wonder were the Rangers maybe waiting to see what happens with Sheldon Keefe? I think a couple of teams were maybe wondering, will Sheldon Keefe be available? Yeah. Um, we still don't know what happens yet in Ottawa. I talked about the trickle down effect from that sale and we still don't have a resolution yet on Kyle Dubas. Where will he end up? If anywhere, will he sit out the year? The only weird part about the Heinz thing. And I understand that the Preds, and I reported this the whole time that the Preds advised John Hines that he would, that they were going to undertake a process here to review his, his status. And that since he was under contract, obviously he had a, a safety net knowing that he would be paid for the next year, regardless where the process went screwy for me was look, when you interview people for someone's job, like to me, you've kind of already made your decision that, you know that guy isn't staying around. So it wasn't so much that they didn't pull the trigger then. I think it was also just in the final execution of it. This is stone cold fact. Like, take it to the bank. The report was already out from Kevin Weeks that Andrew Brunette was going to be their next head coach before the Nashville Predators informed John Hines that he was being fired. I don't care who you are. David Poyle and Barry Trotz are two of the classiest guys that I've met in this sport. That is no way to run an organization. I'm sorry. You are under complete control over who you inform and when. And if word is seeping out to people like me who do this work as an insider, you failed in your process to properly take care of your employees. Not going to put any more emphasis on it than that. There's only one way to treat people, and it's the right way. And that was an issue. Yeah, I don't, uh, that's not a great look for them whatsoever, right? Uh, Barry Trotz's first time as a GM, and um, you, uh, if, if that's in, if that happens, and that is just, there's, there's no way to sugarcoat it, it's a fail, and you know, they'll have to be better moving forward. And so I look at, at the, at the Ranger situation and does John Hines, when you look at in New Jersey and you look at Nashville, I don't see why you would give John Hines a job right away. If you're the New York Rangers, I understand like the BU connections, one thing, but it's results. 
isn't it? Doesn't that matter yeah, somewhat? I, I think, but then if it really is about results, then why didn't you already hire Peter Laviolette? He's taken three different teams to the Stanley Cup final and won once. How many more results do you need? He took the Flyers to the, to the Cup final as a seven seed in his first half season as coach. Takes the Preds to the Cup final in his second season as coach. If you're talking immediate bump and you think you have an NHL Stanley Cup contender ready to win, why wouldn't he be your guy? Like, I can't even understand an argument otherwise. Yeah. Yet, well, they've the had five argument. weeks and haven't done it. Yeah, the only other guy I'd stick with, I know it's not at the NHL, but uh, I, I think Knobloch. at times organizations, they, they overlook sometimes the obvious choice, and I still think Chris Knobloch would be the choice. Yeah. Um, I, I, but when, we, when he gets a coaching job, people are going to see what happens. I think he'd be smart enough to take the right one, but he's a, he's a guy that success follows him as a coach, and, and it follows him when he loses his best players. So to me, uh, that shows you that uh, the coach kind of knows a thing or two for sure. So Laviolette, you're right. It's got a pretty good uh, NHL resume. No question. So th- those would be the two guys. And, you know, I just, it was perplexing to me that they, no, he wouldn't be my guy. Yeah, I'm not just, sure. Ba- like, I don't, I, I don't know. Now maybe, maybe coaches change, but I, I'm just not sure if Babcock's demeanor will, will work in today's NHL. Maybe, what about Quenville? I, I, I don't know think that he, he hasn't been officially cleared yet, but would yeah. you? I, I wouldn't. I don't, I don't. I don't see it be worth it. The uh, um, the potential backlash that comes with that. I don't. Um, you don't, I don't think see a three time Stanley Cup winning coach? Yeah, is is worth the backlash? The backlash that's bullshit. By the way, you think it's bullshit? A hundred percent. I think society today just wants to hang people and 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 lock them up and throw away the key. Yeah. Oh, I I've and I only know because I've done my own research and homework on the topic. So I I've I've spoken to everyone involved just about and understand the situation that the first time that Stan Bowman and Joel Quenville heard the gruesome details that were in the Kyle Beach report were when they were handed the report and read them. When someone so they, comes to you as an, as look, first off, 13 years ago, 2010 is a different time. I know that yeah. sounds funny to say, but we're way more aware now and have a totally different compass when it comes to this. So let's keep that in mind as we have this quick discussion. But if you're in the Western Conference final and the only thing that you're advised of as coach and GM is that some, quote something weird happened between one of your players and the video coach that essentially what they were told like they were again none of the gruesome details nothing about the baseball bat or anything like that was ever presented you're told something weird happened And then in the same meeting, your boss, the president and CEO of the team says, I'll handle it. Don't you just go back to doing your job? I don't know about you, but if someone only ever said to me something weird happened, I'd just be like, eh, something weird happened. My boss says he's handling it. My boss has a fiduciary responsibility to this organization. He will handle it. Now what what and that part I'm told now what about the uh, the internal memo of a recommendation what about that Again if you don't know the gruesome details and you don't go know with. anything more than that and someone says hey can you write me a letter of recommendation so I can go somewhere else you're like sure let's get this guy out of here he's a weirdo Yeah but it, but if you know he's a weirdo why are you writing a recommendation uh, That part I I all I'm saying is if these are if if what I'm telling you if these allegations are fact, which none of this has been proven. Does Joel Quenville deserve to never work again? Oh no, not Does at all. Does Stan Bowman deserve to never work again? We we have punished Stan Bowman and Joel Quenville as a society, as a quote hockey world, more than Brad Aldrich, the actual abuser himself, has ever been public punished anywhere. 
I would agree with you on that. And I, I think that what that are we gets, doing? Yeah. That gets missed way too often. Is These that, guys were not the abusers. You 100%. can make, you can make the claim that they should have done more and they will tell you that they should have done more, but presented the information they were presented. How could you possibly sit here and say, these guys are, are bad guys deserving of backlash and should never have the ability to earn a living again. People, let me remind you, people commit actual crimes and go to prison and serve time and then come out and work again. Yeah. These people are only guilty in the court of public opinion from assholes on social media that have never done the work. Yeah, no, I don't. Hey, to me... I would say, and, and here's whether it's fair or not, um, the, the longer they're out, the, the less the, um, the pushback would be when they come in, right? Um, you're in what New about York. Stan Bowman and the work he's done with the respect group at Sheldon Kennedy, quite literally writing a program that's now been enacted in the WHL and has traveled to all these WHL cities to put the respect group program in place. Yeah, no, I think great. that's hey. the one knock against Joel Quenville is he hasn't done the work to rehab himself. If if work is required. Yeah, no, that hey, I think that's Sorry probably for my Frank, steal, but I, no, no, I'm just tired I, I, of I hearing think, about it. I, I think it's fair to have a discussion about it, and and you're and you're bang on that that people just like it's it's easy to want to uh, throw insults. But here's the one thing: if if I was giving any PR advice to Joel Quenville. I would sit out and I would tell my side of what happened because too often, and don't be scared to tell your side. And if it's okay to say, you know what? Yeah. Could I have done more? A hundred percent. This is the information I knew at the time. Now, if people want to believe him or not, who cares? But if you come out and tell the truth, most of the times when you tell the truth, people are like, okay, I understand. I didn't see that point. Jeez. I never knew that. And you move on. That has a error, Jay. They didn't have this conversation six months ago or a year ago or whenever it was because having the conversation now makes it seem like you're only having it because you want to get back in. You needed to have it at the beginning, not in the middle of all the mess, but three months later, six months later, begin to go on the DFO rundown, begin to go on these other places while you're out of work to Tell your story in a long form, not nuanced, 280 character way where people only see a snippet. Allow people to hear from you directly. Yes. They didn't do it. Yeah. And now anything that comes after the fact, everyone on social media is going to seize on it and say, this guy's just begging for a job. Yeah, but again, if you want to run your life based on what social media and people, what is it, 10% of people are on Twitter? I don't think you need to do that. Even now, it might not be the best timing, I would agree with you, but it would still be better than doing nothing, right? I agree. And I think most of the people would be like, okay, I hear your story. Some people are never going to change. They want to be mad and yell and scream, and that's fine. But you have to look and say, okay, have a conversation. Tell us what you know. And when you hear the whole story about it, then you tell us what you know and you move on. And people are, oh, they knew more. Well, how do you, you, you can say they knew more, but that doesn't mean they knew more. Okay. And, and I, going back to the, I know we'll move on. Um, your point about Brad Aldrich is bang on Frank, because our society as a whole does very little. It's disgusting what we do to actual sexual abusers. They get away with it time and time again. And I don't care. You can do it in the sports industry. You can do it in churches. You can do it in schools. You can do it in, sadly, there's some in law enforcement. It's all over the place. It's the most rampant issue in society it's never talked about. And guys who didn't do it, are get, who actually, trust me, they didn't do anything. And they're the ones getting punished more than Aldrich. And that's 100% bang on that it's a joke. So I would agree with you wholeheartedly on that. And I do think, though, that both Bowman and Quenville they can control how people view them by showing vulnerability, talking about it and not being scared and say, hey, yeah, you can err and it's okay. Everybody errs. There's nothing wrong with making a mistake. It happened. Let's switch gears. And now we will bring in uh, Tyler, your Ram Chuck. Ty, how you doing? There we go. I'm doing good, guys. I'm doing good. Ready, locked and loaded with a new edition of fill in the blank, which is brought to you by 
UFC 289. It's returning to Canada for the first time in almost four years, heading to the Rogers Arena in Vancouver on Saturday, June 10th. And don't forget, nothing better than UFC and a little pay-per-view action for the fight on a Saturday night. Let's dig into things here. Frank, you had your list of buyout candidates up at dailyfaceoff.com. The Oilers forward, Kyler Yamamoto at number one. Mike Riley at number two. Michael Granlund at three. Anthony Mantha at four and Ryan Suter at five. You're filling the blank question is this. There is a blank percent chance that one of those five gets bought out, Frank. 90%. None of those are inconsequential or like small buyouts either. The Yamamoto one's really small. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 433K and then 533 the second. It's basically half of a league minimum player. Yeah. As opposed to forking over 3 million to. A guy that could score 10 goals, I don't know. I think it just makes sense. You don't freeze up money for Edmonton, for sure. You don't think there's trade value for him or any of these guys? Mantha, I guess, would fall in the same convo? No. I think teams... The question that the Oilers and the Caps and everyone else needs to answer is, will someone take this player off your hands for free? Or will they make you cough up an asset? And if they're going to make you cough up an asset the calculus then becomes which is less painful, the asset or what's on your cap for dead cap money. I would argue that in both cases, it makes more sense to buy out the player, but it's also a one-year buyout, meaning it's a two-year cap hit. So it's not incredibly painful for either group, but we'll see. Jay, uh, blank percent chance one of those five get bought out and let me know which one he thinks the most intriguing. Um, it's a good question. I, I think one of them is going to get bought out. There's always a buyout every year. Um, you know, the, the Mantha ones, that's it, a lot of cap savings and man, they don't have a lot of cap space. I looked at Washington. I think they're seventh in top seven contracts in the NHL and they're an older team. Um, I'm going to like the Ryan Suter one's really intriguing to me. And maybe that's a recency bias because I saw how much he struggled in the playoffs, but you know what, if he plays third pair minutes, you can probably live with it. I, I could see him maybe next year. I think, I think Yamamoto, if he's not traded is a hundred percent. Edmonton's not, I don't think that come July, they're, they're going to have um, him on the roster. So I think they'll, they'll look to, to make a trade. And, you know, I looked at a lot of teams. Chicago has, has 12 million and eight forwards right now. They need somebody with some salary on their team. And Kyler Yamamoto has scored 20 goals before. Um, you know, I think Chicago, they don't want to be too good. But, you know, you want to ice a team. You know, maybe they're our team because they still got to get to the floor. Like, they don't have Taves. They, they lost 21 million bucks, guys, in, in uh, Taves and Kane. 21 million in cap space. So they got to fill it somewhere. Yeah, I, I just – I think um, – Chicago, yes, they're going to need to improve their team, but they're not they're not going to let anyone out of cap jail to do it. Mm-hmm. There's been a clear price set for teams to pay over the last few years, and teams are reticent now. The Boston Bruins want to move pieces from their team. Riley is on the list. Forbert is a contract that doesn't work. Taylor Hall probably doesn't make sense if you're keeping Tyler Bertuzzi. But I'm told the Bruins don't – first off, they don't have any assets to trade because they've traded them all. And second, no. they don't want to trade whatever they have left, so they don't want to pay. The Oilers, we know, don't want to pay, and they somehow were able to wiggle out of Pugliarvi. Um, The Caps, like no one wants to just say, hey, we'll be your dumpster to like get, get you out of jail when you're on the cap just because we kind of like the player or he's kind of useful. Like – you may be able to rehab Kyler Yamamoto or Anthony Mantha or someone else into a, like, maybe if you're, like, let's say you're Chicago and you take on Mantha, you may be able to then retain half on him at the deadline if he has a great year and get something for him later. Maybe that's part of your your thought process. I just don't see teams that are in Chicago's position like them of being like, hey, yeah, we'll help you out. We'll throw you a lifeline when you you don't deserve one. Yeah. But they but it's kind of helping themselves too because they have to get to the floor, and right? Also, both those guys have one year left. Like, t- start test driving guys with Bedard. You bring in a Yamamoto and a Mantha, and you can start to figure out who he plays well with, who he doesn't. 
maybe you want to keep those guys or maybe you just know like okay yeah let's go find a six foot some winger to put next to him and it works right there is an element of that I, I, I think, well, obviously Edmonton's going to explore it, but if they don't, I, I think he's bought out. I, they just don't have the cap space to do it, and I, I think they'll, they'll want to make some tweaks to their roster. All right, uh, the second one I got for you guys. This one makes sense in my head, so I'm really hoping it makes sense coming out of my mouth. But Bradtree Living going from Calgary to Toronto. The player that Bradtree Living should b- try to bring to Toronto with him off that Calgary roster is blank. Frank? I know I saw people pointing out that, like, Mark Stone's always been in, like, a Bradtree living organization. Some people pointed out Dan Vladar being on the trade block as well, and that was kind of where I'm going with this. You mean Michael Stone? Yeah, sorry, Michael Stone. Sorry, not Mark Stone. Um, um, yeah, give me a player that you think Bradtree living should try to bring with him to Toronto. Noah Hannafin. On a scale of 1 to 10, how realistic is that? Three? Four? Okay. Um, I mean, the easy answer is Lindholm, right? Yeah. Like, who doesn't want a Lindholm? But, like, yeah. why would, like, first off, I he, Calgary needs him if their mandate is to be competitive. And, and two, like, where would the Leafs play him? Yeah. Now, here's one that I think is realistic. It's plausible because there's no trade, and it's not going to cost them a lot. Uh, Milan Lucic on a, on a one-year deal at 950. I look at Toronto. Uh, they had Wayne Simmons, and he just didn't play. Um, you know, I think Lucic can, can play, you know, they saw him at the worlds. He, at nine fifty, people won't be focused on his cap hit, obviously six mil the last few years, you weren't going to get value for it. And I think Toronto's still a team. Brad Treeland doesn't want his team to get pushed around and Lucic can, you know, score you four or five goals. If he makes nine fifty, it doesn't really bother you cap wise. So that's one guy I think that's plausible to go. All right, and uh, the third one I got for you guys ties in a little bit to uh, our friends at Batano, who have a ton of, uh, you know, most goals to score in the series kind of bets up right now for the Stanley Cup Finals. So a quick Stanley Cup Final-themed one to wrap this up. Who's going to score the most goals in the Cup Final, Jason? Player or team? Player. Ooh, that's a good question. Um, he's hot right now. Wild Bill? I think I'm going to go with Wild Bill Carlson. He's on fire. So him or Marcheseau would be my guess. But. William Carlson, 12-1. to 1. Jonathan Marcheseau, 5-1. to 1. Frank, who's going to score the most goals in the cup final? Matthew Kachuk. Matthew Kachuk is your betting odds favorite at 4-1. to 1. There you go. That's a wrap-up on this week's edition of Fill in the Blank, brought to you by UFC 289, a must-watch pay-per-view event coming up on June 10th. Nunez versus Aldana. It's going to be a good one. Thanks, guys. Love it. Now... Um, Frank, we didn't discuss actually um, Brunette into uh, Nashville. Um, we mentioned it, but didn't, I realized we didn't actually discuss it. Uh, what do you make of that move? And where do you think Barry Trotz and the Predators are considering the moves they made at the deadline with Ekholm? Uh, are, are they kind of in a retool in your eyes? Did you see more pieces being moved? Or are they going to try to make the playoffs? I think they're going to try and, and get back in the, in the mix. I just thought the way they framed the hiring was so fascinating. They said, Andrew Burnett, one of the top offensive minds in the game. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense for a Preds team that has really struggled to score at times. And that's sort of been a key issue for them the last number of years. But I also wonder, like, what does that mean personnel-wise? Because they don't really have the guns. It's great to want to be offensive, but I don't, I don't know. I don't really, do they have the personnel? Right well, now, well, as constituted, they don't. Well, well, here's the thing. If you look at, remember, like not this past season, but the year before, Nashville had a bunch of guys have career years. Obviously, Roman Yossi, Matt Duchesne. Like they had three guys with 84 points that season, right? Michael Granglund had 64, Johansson 63. Like for that one year, they did kind of, um, you know, have lightning strike across their roster. And so maybe that's what they're going to hope for again. Obviously, Granlin's not there, but, you know, maybe they hope Duchesne. Now, Duchesne's only scored 60 points twice in nine seasons, right? 60 plus. So that's probably a big ask, right? Ryan Johansson, I don't know. You'll see the 96 points was amazing, but, you know, it's unlikely to happen again. So you hope that Brunette can do it, but I think that's a little bit of hope. Um, it was, they had kind of their perfect utopia year, it's hard to manufacture that again with so many guys having career years. I agree. And that was, 
betting on that the second time around was kind of their downfall. Yeah. So, you know, they're, they're in a tough spot really is Nashville's in the, the, the hockey purgatory where they're not bad enough to get, you know, an elite player at the top end of the draft. And if they do make the playoffs and unless they think UC Saros can just steal them series, I just, I don't see how they go anywhere. So they're, they're in a tough spot. Yeah. I would say if you were to rank like the 32 teams in, in order of like how you'd want to, like in terms of job attractiveness and remaking the team, like, I think you're doing something like flyers, 32 penguins, 31. And like Nashville is somewhere in that like 30 to 26 range. Yeah, I, I still think I might have Arizona 32nd because they don't want to spend any money. So, oh, yeah, you know what? That's well, and the fact that they don't have an arena. I, yeah. I'm sorry, I misspoke. But in terms of actual competitive, like if we're just talking roster, the Arizona Coyotes are certainly not in the bottom five. They're in the top 15, I think, in terms of prospects, picks, everything that assets. They're in the top. Well, they got assets, sure. Yeah, in the future. I will say this about Pittsburgh, Frank, because I, I did an extensive search. The Penguins are 24th in top seven salary. They, they're actually not that top heavy at all. So, um, no, that's because their stars have been continually underpaid. It's the term on those deals that's problematic. Well, yeah, potentially for Latang and them, yeah. Um, and Malkin? Yeah. Although Malkin had a pretty good year last year, but can he stay healthy? That's obviously the Penguins. Thing. Yeah, I don't know. They had yeah. that's the this is the underrated part of their story of last season missing the playoffs is that they had Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin both all fully 80s. healthy all season for the first time in six years and didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, that's a scary, scary thought. Yeah, well, Mr. Dubis is going to have his work cut out. How can he fill out the bottom of that roster? That's going to be the uh, the question. Frank, have yourself an awesome weekend. Uh, when we talk next, there'll be game one of the Stanley Cup final and uh, probably some other news. So we'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.